your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP, which today stands for the Angry Toffee Podcast as Everton fell 2-5 to five to Watford at home in what was an utterly shambolic performance and the first ever home defeat against Watford for Everton in any competition, having been unbeaten in 15 previous home matches against the Hornets. Also, Watford scoring five goals in an away Premier League game for just the second time becoming just the seventh newly promoted side in Premier League history to score five plus goals. And in a way game, we'll go to our good uh, friend Chico Azul, Everton fan page who recommends said, I highly recommend investing in either distraction or alcohol for your Saturday evening. Evertonians, sound advice there. Start with some instant match reactions. Let's go to Alex first. I'm just baffled. I, I don't understand how we got here. I think the stats pretty much um, sell the the overall feeling of, of the match itself. And it, it just felt like it was coming based on, I'm sure everyone saw the stat ahead of time from, I think the premier league tweeted it, for example, saying Everton have never lost at home to Watford. Um, you had Josh King coming back to Goodison park after not looking like he was worth anything in the 11th, 11 appearances for us last season, overall extremely disappointing and hard to stomach. What do you think, Ryan? I'll leave my commentary uh, till in the timeline and save. I'll, I'll, I'll rescind my minutes. Disaster. Utter disaster. Capitulation. Reminiscent of the worst of Everton over the last several years. And frankly, just uh, the type of performance that makes you question what the heck we're doing here as a club. Um, but we'll go to score predictions. No one from the Discord predicted it correctly, but we have Matt Clevy rhymes with Chevy who got the prediction right in spirit in predicting a 6-0 Watford win. Um, Everton through and through. Uh, <laughs> you just have to laugh, folks, except it's really not funny. But we start with the lineup, and I think the lineup, obviously with Decore out, uh, Rafa forced to make a few changes, and just a thin squad, exposed lack of depth. But you look at the squad on paper for Everton. Mina, uh, excuse me, Keen, Godfrey, still no Mina back. Dean and Coleman, so the back line in theory, all right. Townsend, Tom Davies, Allen, Gordon across the middle and midfield with Damari Gray playing that 10-second striker role for some reason still. And Rondon leading the line as we found out that Calvert-Lewin, in addition to Decore, will be out for an extended period. So again, not the best starting lineup. And to be fair, Watford also not the best starting lineup either. It wasn't necessarily a surprise to see Tom Davies come in for Ducore after the injury, it was pretty much only going to be him or Bamin, and it seemed to pay dividends at least at first. But I think most fans were probably happy to see Anthony Gordon in as opposed to a Wobi um, based on the last performance. Yeah, they would be. Um, I, I heard a lot of that as well, too. And, um, you know, again, I, I think it's putting Gordon in a tough spot, to be perfectly honest. I, I would rather have him running uh, against tired legs. And we have someone like Andre, Andre did it again. The announcer did today, so I feel better. I'd rather have someone like Damari Gray playing out wide so he can use his legs and give us some level of verticality. We had absolutely none of that. Uh, so I don't know what to say. I mean, Rafa continues, in my opinion, to play people in the wrong way. And I think that's part of the problem here. But, I mean, Gordon gave it a go for sure. You know, and he's got some talent. 
Watford made some changes, which were absolutely important because they got so badly beaten by Liverpool. And most of Liverpool's match was them just destroying Danny Rose. So he obviously went to the bench. Uh, Kiko Firmino went to the bench as well. They brought in Josh King, who's finally back and healthy for Watford. Um, the high-level championship player he is. Good to see him back in the Premier League and someone being charitable and giving him an opportunity, you know, like Everton didn't last year. Tufan goes back in, who I actually like, although I don't think he looked great. And Nakia was the right back who's a pretty good athlete i'm sure designed a little bit stuff us obviously sar is their danger guy on the right side credit to hernandez for being one of the most annoying and dirty players in the league on the left though so yep, I mean, you got to balance time. it out somehow yeah he's always like that moose sissoko former everton player for five seconds okay it didn't really happen <laughs> somewhat playing on a defensive mid standpoint the thing is about wadford is they are a bunch of good athletes and they are very combative and they are very aggressive and they will kick you all over the pitch um, so it's up to the officials to actually decide if they want to enforce the rules or not. I don't believe they did today. And so I, I think going into it from a tactical standpoint, I think we're all hoping to see a little more compactness from Everton. thought we were picked apart a little too easily last week, uh, reminiscent of the QPR match. I did think it was interesting. It looked like Luca Dean was pushed up higher and Coleman was as well. Maybe Rafa anticipated that we should see more of the ball and be a little more offensively dominant against Watford. You know, it's, it's hard to say that they did a ton necessarily to, to pick us apart. You know, I think the tactics, a lot of it was about set pieces, but let's talk about that kind of more when we get into the timeline. Yeah. I mean, you look at the shot distribution and again, I mean, the shots were fairly even and the game, I think we'll, you'll get into the timeline sort of and talk about the flow of the match, but the last 10 minutes were really where things completely fell apart, but there were clearly signs that it wasn't going well, even early on the first 20 minutes or so, but you look at the shot distribution, you know, Everton got 74% of their shots inside the 18. Wofford only managed 50, took a lot of long shots, that were pretty aimless, but so did we. It, it, the shape was grim. I mean, we saw Luca Dean able to get involved going forward more, which I think bodes, in theory, should bode well for Everton. But the midfield shape, Allen and Davies just didn't work at all and got, I think, progressively worse. The match continued to develop. I mean, their, their average shape was basically on top of one another. I think they got away with a lot because Watford was poor. So yeah. while we're watching them and thinking Davies is playing pretty well and Allen was too, they're playing aggressively. You know, they were kind of going at winning balls, getting in the lane of passing lanes and and kind of flowing towards it. But I, I saw the same structural issue we've seen all year with those, you know, the space in between the back line and the center mids. And and it looked like through the second half, Wadford had started to get a little wiser to it. And you saw forwards kind of cutting back from that center half line again, receiving balls in dangerous areas at least a couple of times. But I mean, it was working to some extent. I mean, we can't sit there and say that they were atrocious for you know, most of the match, I thought, but I, I don't know if you guys noticed anything else kind of noteworthy. I, I, I think you had another problem again, where you're playing gray at that second striker position and, and they kept trying to run him more in behind Rondon. And I just think that's harder. I think it's a lot easier for Rondon to come back to the ball, knock it down to someone and for that someone to distribute. And that's why I've advocated not because Alex Orby's an amazing player, but I just think he's a better fit from a skill set to play that role. And I think I would rather have Gray stretching defenses on the left in more of a free role and have a Wobie in the middle kind of be the distributor and get them the ball in dangerous areas. We only saw it last week when we switched at halftime. So I, I was hoping that would carry forward to think, okay, we sat back, we watched the film, and we were definitely more effective when we were set up that way, but it wasn't. And it wasn't, but the goals, I mean, the match started off pretty hot, to be honest. I think James even said it himself. If you, if you blink or if you eat a breakfast sandwich, you're going to miss it, <laughs> right? 
So yeah, essentially Gordon passed it down the left to Gray, who runs behind, pretty much runs all the way to the byline. We've seen that plenty of times this year and passes it to Davies at the near post who slots it home in the third minute. It was elation at Goodison Park to start the match. What we would give to have that feeling back now. Yeah, indeed. It was an early goal too early as it turned out. And uh, Tom Davies getting on the score sheet, which just frankly bizarre to me, but it was interesting very early. I think both teams were a little hesitant to try to pressure. I thought, you know, when Anthony Gordon receives this ball and it is a counterattack, but he's got all sorts of space to push forward. Gray breaking down the left, as Ryan pointed out, where he can be most effective making that run. And and look, we're up one nil inside five minutes and you have to think, okay, this is a really good start. Now let's kick on and push forward in the ninth minute. We had another decent bit of build up play give give and go between Anthony Gordon and Tom Davies uh, Anthony Gordon sets up Townsend from a shot from distance forces a save after that that's when things started to fall apart a little bit the wheels started to come off even before we hit the 15th minute so in the 13th minute 13th minute we have uh Watford get a set piece and naturally we felt maybe a little nervy as usual based on how we've been performing on set pieces next thing you know the ball kind of floats into the far post Josh King is being played onside by Damari Gray way out on the opposite side of the pitch, essentially marking nobody and slots it in to make it one, one in the 13th minute. And it feels kind of like disbelief at that point. How did it, how did we already give up the lead and and with such a weak set piece in and of itself? I think the disbelief was partially, you'd think that Rafa would have eventually changed the scheme. I mean, it was so obvious last week that it was flawed, entirely flawed. And I know he in the past, so this is a little history in Rafael Benitez. In the past, he's been criticized for doing this whole purely zonal marking scheme, and he's taken a lot of heat for it. His numbers, I can't point to any like glaring num- numerical issue with him, his team's giving up set pieces, but he's been criticized for it in the past, and he is steadfast in his belief of zonal marking. So zonal marking is really fine and all, but you cannot continually expect the three guys on the line and the one short to win zonal battles, like meaning as be standing there flat-footed in your zone and just rise up and win headers. Like, don't get me wrong. Rafael Benitez normally has two center halves that are tall and good in the air. I mean, that is like almost mandatory for every team he's ever had. So that's part of maybe why he gets away with it. Ben Godfrey is not one of those. I mean, he does okay in the air. But the bottom line is, what is the point of the four guys in front? We went through this in excruciating detail last week where we talked about the formation. We even threw up a clip on, and I even sent some clips I think I can't remember if it was the Discord or how we looked at it. But you've got, in essence, a diamond shape in front of them, and those guys aren't preventing the runs. So if they're not even getting in people's way, I mean, they're trying to a little bit, but it's easy. I mean, it's like like border and like flag football is more violent, you know? And they're not calling anything in the Premier League, which we already brought up earlier. You have to impede their progress somewhat. Because otherwise, why would you do anything other than fire right at the six? And it's simply then a ball-winning contest, with the exception of the center halves are in a dead sprint towards the goal, and they're going to win it every single time. It's the equivalent of, I think we use the example in the discord of like being defending one V one on a breakaway against like a small four that can go up and dunk it on your head. You can't do anything about it. You're going backwards. Like you're standing still. They're just going to go right over you and stuff it in your face. And so if you, I mean, you have to prevent that. And it's every time I'm actually shocked. They didn't score more. The funniest part was early. They did like a short corner. I'm like, what are you doing? You genius. Or as Gordon Ramsay would say, you donut, hit it to the six every time it's going to score. And I, I just cannot believe Rafael Benitez is going to be so stubborn to continue to stick out and do that 
other than the fact I know who Rafael Benitez is and how he is, and this is the exact type of thing he would do. I'm dying to hear his comments post game. Yeah, I mean, it just it just didn't work. And Wofford seems doesn't to just... work though, too, James. Like that's yeah. the key. We right. talked about it for a whole pod. I swear to God, last time and have brought it up several times. It doesn't. And it certainly doesn't work, as you said, without the, you know, with someone like Mina in there who has the ability to get up in the air and win things. But even then, look, there's just a lot of flaws with the system. And we've been exposed now two weeks on the run. But look, we look forward and in the 17th minute, Luka Dean picked up a yellow, which I thought was a little bit soft on SAR. And that doesn't bode Double well. standard so, today, man. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But after 20 minutes, Watford had 60% possession, but Everton with the 5-1 lead in shots. And look, the rest of the half was, I think, uninspiring, but nothing major of note happened. Kind of a, a stalemate in some sense and gets us to halftime. And I think it's clear at that point that some changes desperately needed to be made. I think we we're going to hope to bring some some of the guys off the bench to score because unlike in previous weeks, I mean, you can't sit there and look at that bench and not say that there aren't options there. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, you can't sit there and continue this whole, well, it's the director of football's fault or whoever's else fault for not having talent. There are plenty of guys on there that can play on the bench if you put them in the right role. And, you know, I wouldn't have started the way we did either, but certainly Richarlison is one, you know. So uh, you knew eventually he would come on and you'd hope he'd make an impact. But I got to admit, guys, there was nothing that I saw in that first half or leading into the second half that I thought would indicate that we were going to be a tremendous goal threat. I mean, I really thought it would have to almost come from some sort of either tactical change at half or some sort of just inspiration from one individual great play because it just wasn't working much in the same way as it wasn't working at West Ham. But what did he do? At least at West Ham, he changed it. And we were a much better team from the 45th minute up to the goal we conceded. But, you know, so I don't I don't know how you guys felt after halftime. I assumed since Roth has been pretty good with adjustments that we might see one. We really did. Yeah, I expected I expected a tactical um, adjustment or two. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that any player... I felt in the first half deserved to be subbed out. Maybe that, maybe like I felt last true, match, true. you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't have expected a change of personnel, but it felt like we needed at least some sort of small change to address just the lack of control, right? I mean, it's, it's something we talked about the last post-match against West Ham, but when you're at Goodison Park and you have less possession than one of the lowest teams in the league, if not the lowest, it's not a good look. And it, and it doesn't bode well because at some point you're going to be on the back foot and you can't afford to take you at you, <laughs> some point and maybe an understatement of the year. And you can't afford to just let a team like Watford have the majority of the ball, um, especially through most of the first half. Aside low on confidence and we just could not exploit that at all. And maybe that's a reflection of, of our current momentum as well. But, but just to keep things going so we can get through what was an excruciating second half timeline, to be perfectly frank, we had an interesting double dive penalty shout. Allen gets a card for a dive in the, in the 53rd minute. Uh, Gordon goes down. And then 62nd minute, oh, look at, look at this, against the, maybe against the run of play. Michael Keane unexpectedly swinging in crosses all of a sudden from the edge of the box. Richarlison on as a sub just a minute earlier. Instant impact, the Brazilian gets on the score sheet and we're up 2-1. And at that point, maybe it's undeserved, but thinking in my head at least, all right, let's just see this out now, maybe try to get a third, but focus on the defensive side of the ball, prevent Watford from responding, and maybe we can get all three points at home and keep this, uh, this home strong record, even though the loss last week going. That obviously did not turn out to be the case because Ranieri decides to make a change shortly thereafter that I think Watford greatly benefited from. 
brilliant subs. Suddenly they had legs running at us. I think Dennis in particular's ability to drop and find people kicked the tail out of us. Um, you know, eventually uh, Sar was dangerous the whole whole match. He's a very good player, uh, but sometimes Sar does dwell on the ball a little bit. I thought he was he was very dangerous today though. So that was a little bit curious for people. But yeah, it was a very attacking system now. I mean, you brought on two in essence attacking players for for one. But but really, the sad part is that I, I still think the biggest travesty here is I, I didn't feel like we were going to necessarily concede, at least not from open play. But sure enough, what happens? All the momentum changes in the 78th minute. And what? The exact thing that we've been talking about 100 different times. No changes. So it's just a free run right to the six. Head ball, bang. And now it's 2-2. And the game has totally changed. And you blew it, man. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, it's just, you look at the, the set piece defense. It's, it's the personnel is not greatly different. I'm sorry. Just because Yuri Mean is out, it's not an excuse. And, and yeah. you said that too, James. I'm not, you know, I don't mean it that way. But I mean, yeah, you can't, I mean, a logical excuse is not like we're not scoring goals because we don't have prime Ibrahimovic, Ronaldo. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, can, you can't really use that as an excuse. I mean, it's clearly a tactical issue. It, it very much is when the same guys gave up almost no set pieces last year. And the game has suddenly changed right now. But what I did not anticipate is the absolute mess that happened two minutes later. And it just, I mean, I I just, I don't know what to describe about that play. It was an absolute disaster. It was a poor clearance by Godfrey. And essentially it was, it was two V one running towards goal. Josh King is found wide open in front of Pickford, just cuts it to his left and slots it in at that point in time, right at two, two, it felt like, wow, I can't believe we did this. This is the most disappointing result ever. And then before you can even process that emotion, you're sitting here at at 3-2 with Josh King (laughs) scoring a double at Goodison Park. And I'm just wondering, how did we get here and and why? And do I even care to keep watching? That, I think, was the question asked by a lot of Evertonians at that point. And Ryan, you know, you mentioned the momentum shift after the subs. I mean, and, and after the equalizing goal from Kucha, the wheels just completely fell off. We were just conceding set pieces, free headers, no defending completely lost our heads and we've given Rafa a little bit of credit for this team's ability to fight back at least up until this point this season but this was the first I think real glimpse of capitulation at the weak mentality I, I just don't think that, yes you can blame it on the tactics but five goals in or four goals in 10 minutes is not just tactics I mean that's a complete falling apart of the side and complete well, loss of composure two of the five are I mean, I'm sorry. I, I just, I don't, I mean, sometimes you're going to give up a set piece, but those are blatant tactical mistakes. Yeah. That pure zonal crap is garbage. Again, I'm not bagging on zonal marking. I'm saying a hybrid approach is perfectly fine. All right. Be clear what I'm saying. And I, cause I would bag on man to man, straight up marking. That's not a solution. All right. This is a 1980s English film. You know what though? He picked the team and I have to admit while I was impressed that Alon and Davies never got totally played out the way they were playing. Eventually they were. And I don't know what's wrong with the shape. If you're going to continue to push up those fullbacks and you can't have a center half like Ben Godfrey running all the way out to the left wing to try and win the ball because you're fighting to come back. Although that is part of it. You're down. You need to score. I get it. But it's Rafa's fault that he continues to sit there and su- I mean, think about how ridiculous this is. People were bagging on Alex Iwobi for missing a header in the sixth. Do we not have a problem with Richarlison being the guy on the baseline crossing backwards towards the 12 to Alex freaking Iwobi? Why would you want him attacking the ball? It's it's a flaw. He's I'm sorry, Rafa is wrong. He's not playing the right guys in that in that second striker role. And we look much better when we go more four two three one, and we drop that guy in more of a ten to play behind Rondon. And if you're going to sub a Wobi on, put him there. 
Not to mention you lose Richarlison, you lose his defensive ability by playing him so high up the pitch. So basically half the time, if you're running this, that person behind, you're vacating the midfield. So now you're just giving up. It's basically Davies and Alon against whoever they send in there. And they're not stupid. Ranieri's not a bad manager. He was sending people down the middle and Davies and Alon were overcommitting. Yep. And what happened? Even when they went wide, both those guys were so overcommitted that they couldn't get back and cover the fullback. I mean, that's part of your role as a sitter, Alon. So Godfrey's racing over there. He should have contained him. He shouldn't be running out on him. But that's why they scored the fourth goal. I mean, wake up, man. Like, this is fundamental, basic football stuff. And part of that's individuals. But, man, he picked the team. And if you don't have a pick the sitter. But, again, we've seen it 100 times. And I said last week, I'm really sorry. I blew it. Uh, my bad. I thought Alon could play as a sitter. So either he's being poorly instructed or he can't help him. And there were times where the shape was okay throughout the, and especially in the second half when they did sit a little bit and play deeper. And we we're hard to play down the middle. That fourth goal is an absolute joke. And that's childish defending. It's basic stuff. I mean, if, if my kids did that, my son, who I watched him play this morning, 12 year old team did that. I'd be furious. Like, how do you not know that, man? It's just it's embarrassing, man. I don't know what to say, man. Any any parting shots, Alex? Because I know you got to duck out of here. Yeah, no. I mean, I think I think hindsight's twenty twenty. You probably preferred a midfield three. I mean, I think a lot of us want to see Bamin play and his physicality. Maybe sitting sitting deep as a six would have helped alleviate a lot of issues. Yeah, with the immobility, with with the aggression that Tom Davies and um, Allen can play with. Especially and, when you went up two one, right? I mean, that, right. that's a decent idea. Yeah, no, exactly, and and especially especially with as you as you've pointed out, Ryan, like the half space or or the large space between the the central defenders and the two midfielders. I mean, it would have uh, would have alleviated a lot of issues there too. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I mean, I think this was just a disaster. And look, people were <laughs> readily and very excited at the start of Rafa's tenure at some of the I think positive developments but this is a pretty grim reality check I think for a lot of fans and look we, we said it when he was hired with serious questions and I think a lot of the fan base is starting to have those same questions that said you know we're still missing some key players but there's only so many excuses you can make against what is a objectively terrible Watford team to get completely destroyed like that and the signs were there throughout the whole 90 minutes and there weren't nearly enough adjustments made to correct it. So I think the blame lays mostly on, on Rafa's shoulder. Yeah, when he picked the lineup, I thought we'd be in trouble. I was actually a little surprised that we hung in there the way we did, but I think part of it was because Wadford stinks. And let, let's be honest, though, I mean, a lot of this is set pieces. If we don't give up those goals in the set piece. I wonder if this game goes differently. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't, know if, I don't know if it would have been deserved. I mean, can you really think, I mean, can you think, sit back and think, what's a really good chance that we blew? I mean, I yeah. would love to see the XG on this. Yeah. I don't know if it's out there. I'm going to look for it real quickly here. But I mean, it was, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. Conversely, like Watford didn't have any real great chances from open play either until we let them just run rampant on us in the last 10, 15 minutes. It was the set piece plays that changed the game. Same exact thing as West Ham. And yeah, that's how a lot of maybe not good teams <laughs> end up scoring a lot of their goals because it's harder to create from open play rather than when you can just lay it on a on the six yard line and hope guys can run onto it. But again, our responses to the, to the movement by Watford and the setup in general is just so fundamentally flawed that you're setting us up for failure at that point. And it's, it's just disgraceful to see. Yeah. It's deflating. I mean, that's the thing, you know, it's just again, killers. It's just yeah, deflating right again, but that that's the thing, man, nothing worse than conceding from, from a set piece because you know, open play is harder. 
You know, it's just simple as that. And again, it's one thing, you know, they, it will, it will happen. Right. I mean, it's sure. Not, it's, you know, it is inevitable. I mean, these are, you know, the chances are not super high on these things, but the more you have them, the more you're going to give up more goals. But when it's every time, I mean, they're just standing there. They don't know what to do. You know, they're in a system that clearly is not working and they were doing it last week. I just, I, I don't know what to say, you know, but even without them, the capitulation was pretty, pretty disappointing. Uh, and, but we just didn't, we didn't look that great before then too. I mean, again, I it's, I keep saying to people, it's Watford at home. I mean, you got to yeah. put it in perspective. I think there's a very bad habit of some people, especially in the English media, um, or English, bigger social media channels to, to declare, like to totally ignore the quality of pop, op, like opposition. I mean, everyone was praising Mo Salah for his amazing match. You're playing against Watford at home. You know what I mean? So like this one, it's bad. But compared to, I mean, this is a championship team. It's not like they really had any heavy investment in the squad. They, they're, I think the only team, they were right above us in the net spend. They spent slightly more than we did, but really not by much. And that's a team that coming up from the championship, pretty, pretty abysmal squad there. And we made them look definitely better than they are in reality. But beyond that, I mean, you had other guys get exposed. I mean, I don't think Seamus was particularly great again today. And we're still kind of without a, a top athletic right back that I think can help. I think Ben Gottfried, everyone's player of the year last year, I think people have totally overhyped him. And I said that. I, I said, look, it's not fair to, to say, oh, now he's not playing well. He's a raw center back. Yeah. And he was when we bought him. If he wasn't, he would have been 32 million like Fafana was, who was another young back who was ready to go and good. Gabriel, same thing. He was 25 mil. That guy was ready to play the second he showed up in the Premier League. And that's okay. And, ben, you know, Ben still has some stuff to work on. And he was a great defensive fullback last year and, and has played well at times. But he's going to make some mistakes, and that's okay. You can't overhype these these young guys. And, no, and it's not fair like to the, them the either, too. Exactly. And that's I think we have this tendency as fans to see guys come into the team. They have a few good performances. And they set the bar insanely high for themselves amongst the fans. And then when they regress slightly, as is totally natural at that age and happens to even the best players from time to time, then it's pitchforks out. These guys are garbage. And look, Ben Godfrey, like you said, his pace and his physicality really helped us when we were playing incredibly defensively under Carlo last year. And he was playing as a fullback, but he's really just not super experienced playing the center half position. And with Michael Keane alongside him, they have some weaknesses that teams will exploit. They're neither of them are perfect. And they certainly got run around a little bit today. And I don't overstate things. I thought Michael Keane at times played fine. You know, he won a lot of balls in the air. I thought he was pretty composed. He got the assist. Um, You know, Godfrey at times covered very well and used his pace to do things. So it wasn't all bad. I mean, he had a bunch of tackles, tons of clearances. You know, the numbers were there for him. The other thing that I'm shocking is people are still going after Luca Dean thinking he didn't play well today. I mean, I cannot believe anyone could have possibly watched that match and thought that. I mean, the guy had, what, seven tackles? Yeah, I thought he was our, probably our best player. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? He finally got him forward, which was a tactical decision. Again, wake up, people. The reason why he hasn't been as active in terms of creation is because he hasn't been played as high, and that's okay because he's making up for people in free rows left, and, and that wasn't the case today. But he had three shots. I mean, God, how many shots on target has he had this year? A handful? One shot on yeah. target, three key passes. I mean, he had that ridiculous, that ridiculous one-touch volley cross that was from a cross-field pass. I mean, that, and he, we haven't seen that much from him just because he hasn't been able to get in those positions, but just a reminder of what he is capable of when allowed to roam forward like he was today. 
Yeah, I mean, he was dispossessed once and only one bad touch. I mean, he took care of the ball pretty dang well, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, you just look at it. You I mean, some of the guys like Godfrey did struggle at times with the ball. He had four bad touches. You know what I mean? He wasn't the best in the back. Um, Damari gave the ball up a few times as well, too. And another thing is, too, everyone's going to bag on Solomon Rondon again. I mean, no matter how he would have played today, everyone was going to bag on him. But again, I, I think you got to understand, like, functionally what what's being asked of the guy. And I think he's doing what's being asked of him. What should be asked is, why are you putting him in that situation to begin with? So I, I don't understand that at all. And Rafa's the one who brought him in. So you can't suggest he doesn't know how to use him. Right, right. And I don't think we talked about it a lot last week. He he gets bagged on a lot because he's not often in great positions to score goals, but that's not the way that he's being utilized. He's being utilized to catalyze the attack, not so much to be the guy on the end of everything. Now he did have a couple opportunities, but by and large, I mean, he won what four aerials he only lost was dispossessed once he had a dribble i thought his hold-up play and his physicality today not worth knocking given the lack of options like again if you're thinking about throwing maybe you could argue richarlison as a sole striker but you said it earlier you lose his defensive contributions yeah and look the people saying lewis dobbin needs to get a go or collusion to me that's ridiculous there are not 18 year olds playing out there folks there's like two of them that have any reasonable minutes whatsoever in the premier league i mean on the same hand you can't be some You can't sit there and say the Premier League's the greatest league in the world and then expect 18-year-olds to come up from the academy. Why don't we have any academy players playing? Because it's a massive gap, man. Again, this is not 1982. I mean, people need to wake up. And then, yeah, Rondon is not not the issue today. You gave up five goals, two on set pieces. You got carved up. The second you went up 3-2, you had no ability to retain, keep the ball. You had no plan and attack in possession. And you can't say that's him. I, I just... And the thing is, the other thing is, people do not realize this his game. If we were sitting in the attacking zone more and serving balls to him to knock down for other people to score, that would be fine. But I haven't seen much of that, frankly. And which is interesting, considering that Andrews Townsend, who's Mr. Cross, firing crosses right and left last week, and you didn't see it again today. So uh, I don't understand that either. Like, suddenly you're going to commit to firing 19 crosses last week, which I disagree with. I, I, I wouldn't ever expect Rafa to do that. I think that's an anomaly. But how did you counter with that today? I mean, how did we attack? I mean, we had 24 crosses today, again, or 23 crosses to, to do what? I, I just don't. I, I think there's an issue. Um, and I think it's it's every bit as much tactical as it is anything else. And it's mostly in the offense. The capitulation is more personnel and, and his selection there and set pieces. There are a lot of problems here, though. And I, yeah. I think a lot of it falls at the manager. And I, I, I you know, I just think that's true. Yeah, and I think it's totally within our right to criticize, frankly. You know, this is uh, something that we invest a lot of time and emotional energy into. And then you see something like this, and it just drives you up an absolute wall to see a team that got 59 points, albeit 10th place. I know there was some debate about the merits of either in the Discord following the match. But look, this team is not that bad on paper. Yeah, right now, the squad's thin. And, uh, you know, we had some listener comments Okay, let's go with the first one, uh, James, from longtime listener, Peter Rabbit 68 at Peter Rabbit 68. Well, we were poorly organized defensively for the entire game, no defensive shape, and played zero team defense. It eventually caught up with us. We also played no defense in the midfield as well, so much for a well-organized Rafa side. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think we beat that into the ground. I, I could not agree more. I think we got lucky. I mean, really, all the way up to... 2-1. And again, though, I mean, you got, you got to caveat that a little bit, though. They still really didn't have, I mean, they had some goal chances, but they're still Watford. So I understand playing a little bit expansive, being aggressive against them. And you really should point to set pieces, but that's what I saw, too. 
I think Pete hit the nail on the head there. We also had Dom at Dom underscore EFC said first time leaving the stadium early in 15 years, which I think says a lot because Dom credit to you for sitting through some pretty dismal performances over the years. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, Really frustrating. And then we had, Alan Brody at Brody and MD again, a long time listener said was ready to enjoy Davies contribution and Richie's return that masked a subpar performance. Yes. Until someone pulled the wrong Jenga piece out and the whole house of cards collapsed. Just awful. Yeah. I think Alan's pretty spot on there. It really just felt, I think he's really right. We would have been celebrating a two, one win despite playing poorly. And then it just completely fell apart. Disappointing. Again, those set pieces killed momentum, but I, I, I like the, the Jenga comparison, you know, because you could just see there were holes out there the whole time. These guys are saying exactly what we're seeing too. I I think it's pretty obvious, but who's to fall for that. So, so Jaden Sherman at Mr. Sherman eight or eight brings up another aspect. Godfrey and Keen are a terrible partnership and it showed again. Yeri has to be in there when fit Godfrey tries, but still has some learning to do and can tell his lungs aren't hundred percent again. I keep waiting for Keen to step up and be a later a leader, but that will never happen. So can we talk about Ben Godfrey? Yeah. So let's do that. Remember all the people clamoring for him to be player of the year last year and were upset. Many people were upset when Dominic Calvert-Loon won it, if I recall. Did I I got that right, right? I recall that, yeah. So do we think he suddenly magically uh, lost all ability to play defense? Do we think he's lost the ability to play center half? Or did maybe people get carried away and peg him wrong? Because I, I think people don't realize what a big change it is to play in this scheme. It's different. And everyone, if you use someone differently, they're clearly going to get different results. I mean, that's pretty obvious. And there could be many reasons to it. I mean, it could be COVID, long COVID. That could be part yeah. of it. No question. I mean, that, you know, any sort of outside force, if your outside environment changes, you know, naturally you're going to get some sort of different level of, of response or production. That's just simple logic, right? I mean, did we... Have people overrated his ability to play center half? That's a strong question, but I'm curious to your take. I think it goes to like the core of being an Everton fan over the last 20 years and that you're always looking for some sort of glimmer of hope. And it caught when you see something go right, you you tend to maybe overemphasize how positive that is. And you can say, yeah, Ben Godfrey had a good season last season. He was a useful player. But to herald him as the second coming of the, he's the great going to be the next greatest English center half. And he's a shoe in for the England side and all these sorts of things. Look, that's just getting completely carried away, as we tend to do with young players who have promised. And, yeah, he's regressed a little bit this season and we don't know exactly why, but it doesn't change the fact. I and mean, people do the exact same thing with Mason Holgate on, off the back of one good season. Yeah. And yeah. In the opposite way. Right. Exactly. So you like we try to do on the show, you try to remain somewhat objective and not let your expectations get too high because then you're just inevitably setting yourself up for disappointment when the player comes back to earth, as Ben Godfrey seems to have done. Now, that's not to say that things couldn't change dramatically if you had a partnership of, of Keen and Godfrey, or excuse me, Mina and Godfrey. I think they complement each other in different ways, but he's a raw player and he still is and he will be for a little longer as he learns the position and frankly, the setup isn't doing him any favors, leaving him kind of exposed. I, I don't get it, though, James, but that is so logical and simple. You know, you see Mason Holgate playing a very high risk type of center half, right? Paired up with, you know, Yerry Mina or, or Michael Keane, and that works for him. And he's good at stepping out, and winning balls and stuff. But that's I mean, everything else there is is a problem. People saying they think he's a good ball player, for example, when he, the numbers say he's not because he's not. 
just because he looks like he hits a Hollywood pass every now and then, that doesn't mean he's good. People just need to wake up, open your eyes. The Dean thing is unbelievable to me. There are people seriously criticizing Luca Dean's role today and his performance all year. Luca Dean, has he regressed? So why would you think he magically, after what, 27 years of a professional footballer and being one of the best left backs in the Premier League, suddenly can't play left back anymore? No. Dear God, wake up. He has zero assists, three completed crosses into the PA lead into the penalty area leading into this into this match. He had four assists after this many games and eight crosses into the penalty area last year at this time. Why? He's playing deeper deeper how do you not see that i cannot believe people are even saying that are you kidding me and you can't have it both ways too if you're going to allow- up with star right. one of Watford's most dangerous players and kept him relatively quiet for the darn entire right. match darn right he did and, and i mean appreciate that it's hard i mean appreciate the fact you have a left back that could be a defensive stopper i mean i showed his tackling num- numbers are way up his percentage against the dribble is is the highest he's been since at everton um, as is his pressing percentage. He's his defensive metrics are up. Why? He's playing deeper and playing more defense. I mean, people sit there and decry stats and say that they don't tell all the story. You know what? They tell something because you can't remember everything perfectly when you're at the match. And yeah. when you watch the match on TV, most people ball watch. You're not watching Luca Dean for 90 minutes. So it's okay to use some other piece of information to maybe get you thinking. That doesn't mean the stats are end all be all, but they might tell you something that you might think, oh, maybe I was wrong. But I think it would be helpful in evaluating properly our players and the manager. Like, that's the thing. People have been praising Rafa, but he's made some mistakes. And Carlo made mistakes earlier, and we caught it on the pod, and we brought it up because we tried to be objective. And everyone still, when we were bringing it up, gave us a bunch of garbage for trying to be objective and fairly critique him. It doesn't mean he's a bad manager. It doesn't mean Rafa's a bad manager, too. But the people make mistakes. And I understand passion as a fan, but... You know, there's a point where it crosses over into just kind of irrationality that I don't think does anyone any help. Like, so I, last thing I'll say, it. I know I'm going on a rant here, but but like, put it this way. If after this match, you take from this, Alex Awobi stinks. Yeah. Or, or, or worse, after this match, you say, Marcel Brands needs to go. What? Yeah. What are it, you, t- what are you talking? Like, how could you possibly watch that and thought that? It's just the desperation of wanting someone to blame. And I think frustrating performance performances the last couple of weeks. Like it, it's crazy how things can turn on a dime because again, two weeks ago, we were talking about with a win against West Ham, Everton's best ever start to a Premier League season. Two weeks later, we're asking serious questions about Rafa's capability and in, in, frankly, decision-making, um, which again is warranted based on the last two performances. That's not to say that he can't again, be good next week or the week after or in future occurrences, but it, it doesn't look great at the moment, needless to say. Um, but the last listener comment that we had was at Phil Addy, featured last episode. I think he's pretty spot on with some of his recommendations here. He said, at 2-1, you'd have thought that JPG would have gotten a look to shore up the midfield. I think that's reasonable. We miss Mina so much on defense. Our zonal marking is horrid. We beat that one into the ground for sure. And he said, we know Gray won't play the whole match. How Rondon does is a mystery up there with the Bermuda Triangle. To that, I would just say you could, again, put Richarlis in there. You could put Dobb in there. But Our point, though, against that is good luck defending set pieces in an already flawed tactic without Solomon Rondon in there. Yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, I, you laugh. I guarantee you, Rafa might be stubborn enough, truly, to not do that almost as a theoretical exercise to defend his 
his approach. You laugh, man. I know it sounds ridiculous. That to me is kind of the character that I know. And he can be stubborn to, you know, an ideological, uh, you know, point, at least in my opinion. And, and that's, I get that you want to fight it, but I mean, you got to make some changes sometime. If our set piece defense from last year is in there, do we lose this match? No, definitely not. Because they don't even score that first goal. Most likely. Most likely they don't. No, I agree. Then we're up one nil. We maybe get to half at one nil up. You come up for the second half. You maybe make a couple of changes to go get that second goal. And like, it's obviously all hypothetical and impossible to say, but I think you're right. I think you're right. And we definitely wouldn't have lost the West Ham game if it weren't for set piece, lack of set piece defending. And so we can't, this, this isn't sustainable and teams are going to see this and look to exploit it as much as they possibly can. They already had, but how could you not have seen it from last week? How could you not have seen? I mean, this has been happening last week. It's just so blatantly obvious. I cannot believe that you wouldn't have at least made an adjustment or two. It just leaves you in semi disbelief and certainly very frustrating, but, but, but on a good note from open play up to that point, I mean, we, we were probably a little better. I, I agree. Yeah, I'm trying to get optimistic and be fair and objective on this, but my and God, honestly, Watford at home, we gave him 20 I know, shots, I know, I know. dude, 20 shots, eight shots on target. Like but we eight in the through. last 10 minutes. So I, I know it's, it's just, crazy, but I do think <sighs> to end on a light note or a brighter note, I did think that some of our passing movement in the final third at times was good, even though we lacked a lot of end product, but I did see some good give and goes guys making runs in behind that could potentially amount to something in the future. I appreciate your attempts to stretch. I'm trying here, folks. I'm trying here. For those that made it this far into the episode, I I think that's fair. Maybe we had better structure in the final third that I'm giving us credit for. Maybe it was personnel. That was it. You know, like Anthony Gordon, I thought at times looked positive. He just doesn't quite have the quality to pull stuff off or the physicality. You know, I mean, that strength was I think the strength is clear. Like he's definitely uh, he goes down a little easily and he he can't really shield the ball particularly well. But again, he's a kid. He's a kid and he'll he'll get better, but he's just not quite there yet. And I think you're right. Uh, A substitute role probably is the the best role for him, both for uh, in terms of contributions to the team and for his own personal development as well. So I'm trying to look at how many goals Wadford scored from. Oh, they did score one goal from a corner so far this year. Kudos to them. Bravo. Nice work. One, one. Just unbelievable, isn't it? Nothing from free kicks. The Ranieri effect. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's one thing to have structural, you know, do well structurally in the final third and look like there's some chances. But if you have people in the right spot, I mean, you know, it's different. I mean, I just personally would rather have a Wobie, you know, playing balls into the box on the ground over Charleston rather than the other way around. Right. I mean, how can you? I I don't think anyone would disagree with that. No. And again, I mean, geez, my God, are you afraid? Why can't we put on a midfielder? What is wrong with JPG? Like, seriously, is there something wrong with him? I mean, he seemed like he really, he seems like such a Rafa type player, big, athletic, tough, physical. Like, I I think his tendencies to sit or it would have been beneficial, just like Filati said. I mean, why not bring him in when you're up six, when you're up two one? Yeah. It's getting more head scratching by the week. I I think there probably is some concerns with him, his fitness, or at least his like risk of re-injury. But at the same time, if, if that's the case, then why is he on the bench? If you're not going to even consider using him. So yeah, very head scratching, but Ryan, I think we've probably beaten this one into the ground enough, unless you have any final thoughts to uh, put a lid on this one. Yeah. I just, I really hope that, and I'm frustrated too. And I know you are, uh, I'm really ticked today. Um, I mean, if, if you got, I can understand getting riled up a little bit in some of the hoopla about certain people, certain things, but you know, ultimately truth, it's everybody, you know, to quote the mighty police. It's true though. It happens. So the bottom line is that certain things and certain players are going to revert to form. 
So sometimes maybe just getting your hope up about certain things is, is probably naive, but sometimes people don't play the same way if you play them differently. And, you know, there's, you know, Roth has even talked about the short blanket, you know, the short blanket metaphor he uses Yep. where, you know, if you're going to be expansive and go forward, you're leaving yourself, I guess your feet get cold. <laughs> to take it very, <laughs> I think that's the metaphor. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's true that if you're going to press up the field at three, two, and because um, really three, two is more of an individual error. Um, and you're going to press up the field like that and push for, for a goal reason stands that you could get burned on the backside. And we did badly, but I, I think what was more disturbing, yes, that was emotionally different. You're like, are you kidding me? Is this a drill right now? I mean, can it's embarrassing, but I think ultimately we we're probably playing with fire throughout the match. And I think he got some things wrong and we were probably a little fortunate to not give up some opportunities. Uh, I mean, I would love to see how much we created today. I haven't. I was going to see if we had those numbers, but uh... the numbers I see from XG philosophy have Everton 1.8 Watford at 3.13. So let me tell you what, man, you give up more than a three in expected goals. I mean, that is Horrific. bad. And again, they don't have the best model. So, you know, there could be issues with that. I'm a little surprised we were at 1.6, 1. 1. Me too. Me too. Uh, but we'll see how it shakes out anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's disappointing. I, I just. How do we go forward, Thomas? I think that's the best way to conclude this. I mean, what do you do going forward? It's going to be, I think, frankly, it's going to be a tough couple months without Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Decore on the horizon. I think you've got to give JPG a shot in that midfield because, as you said, I think he suits the Rafa mold for a midfielder better than either of the guys we had in there today. Um, so unless there's some grave concern, you've got to leverage the resources that you have. If we can, the sooner we can get Mina back, the better. I think that makes a world of difference. And, and Richarlison getting back on the score sheet, I think, is also a positive to take from today. Instant impact sub, hoping he can remain fit and hopefully contribute for us going forward because we really did desperately miss him for some sort of dynamism in the attack. It is reason to say that there are certain individuals that really do make a big but it is up to the manager to look at who he's got on his bench and try and plug people in, in those right roles properly. And I'm sorry, like you plugged in the wrong guy in midfield. Again, if you tell me that the guys are hurt, that's fine. You know, I, I can't, I'm not going to argue with him, but that's not fair, you know, to him. but I think he got the wrong guy. And look, you could say we miss mean a lot. We do. He's a massive drop off. I totally agree. But that also doesn't mean you're setting up for, for success by playing two center mids that are on top of each other and playing as aggressively yep. and on top and fine. You know, what? fine. If you're going to do that, play a third guy in midfield, or maybe not press up your fullback so high or press up your center halves and really play the high line and stick to it. I mean, I just think there's so many things that you could do today that it's hard not to look at this and say, it's hard to look at this and say, Oh, the players just stink because yeah. guess what? Guess what? Here's another thing too. Last year we had lots of injuries too. I think we played almost more players. Actually, we had more players set up, you know, for our first team in our first team than anyone else, except for maybe one club. And we didn't have a single player play over 3,000 minutes left. I mean, it's hard to be sound with that lack of continuity, but we still got 59 points. Yeah. Like, I don't have a lot of sympathy because he's missing two or three guys. Going forward, we have to see a change on set pieces, number one, right? Yes. 100%. Yep. 100%. Number two, he's got to change up the structure or change the midfield. Like, we cannot go forward with those two guys in midfield. It's a mistake. It will never work better than it worked today. I'll, t- I'll put my money on that. Seriously. Maybe I'm wrong. I shouldn't make predictions. I normally never do, <laughs> but I just, I can't see those two guys playing well together in yeah. the way we put the way we play. I just can't see. It. I cannot see. It. So that's got to change. I think the attack has got to be restructured a little bit. I, I just playing this, the second striker, keep running him behind Rondon. I think it's a mistake. And he should have seen that against West Ham when we played better after the second. Half. I mean, I, I just, those things got to change to me or else it's not going to be pretty. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, I think we've uh, done this match justice. We've gotten our vented our frustration. I'm pissed. I'm still ticked. I really am. I'm very frustrated. As am I. But what are we to do except go again next week and hope that Rafa changes? If this keeps, if we keep going on this trajectory, things will get really ugly really fast because Rafa wasn't a popular appointment at the time. He won himself over with some people based on the start, but results like this are going to change that trajectory very, very quickly. But with that, was Mosh at the match, by the way? I, I want to know if he was. Not I, sure. I had heard that he was supposed to be there, but I didn't see him. Well, he got a real treat if he was. Yeah. So listeners, if you guys saw him out there, anyone at the match saw that he was there or not, please let us know, because I, I think that would have been an eye opener today if I yep. was the owner. Indeed. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our show. As always, despite our frustration and the disappointment that I know we are all feeling as fans. We appreciate you giving us your time and we hope you enjoyed this one as much as humanly possible. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a rating review on your podcast platform of choice. If you want to find us on social media, you can find all that stuff at linktr.ee slash USA toffee pod. That's L I N K T R.ee slash USA toffee pod. Otherwise we'll be with you next time. And until then up the toffees. (laughs) 